What's up, everyone, and welcome to Roots of Humanity, a podcast that celebrates the beautiful people and culture of our world. My name is Drew Binsky. I'm a world traveler and content creator who has spent the past 12 years traveling to all 197 countries in the world. In episode 22 of Roots of Humanity, I talked to my new friend Casper about Polish culture, history, and food. Casper's Poland is very different than his parents' Poland because he was born after communism and speaks English, while his parents fought for food stamps and learned Russian. They can't speak English. I mean, they can understand quite a lot, but they wouldn't be able to have a conversation just like like we're having now. Casper recalls how his grandmother used to smuggle jewelry from Romania and how his grandfather remembers when Nazis came to steal their pigs and cows. In turn, I open up about the Holocaust and my Jewish ancestors, which sparks a discussion of World War II and the influx of Ukrainian refugees entering Poland. From the modern capital of Warsaw versus the historic old town feel of Krakow, listen in to find out why Poland is the most underrated country in Europe, a conversation that will surely leave you hungry for pierogies. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get into it. All right, Casper, what's going on? Hi, man. I'm great. I'm great. It's actually my birthday today, so... Really? Yes, it is. Uh... Dude, you didn't have to give me time for a podcast on your birthday. No, it's fine. This is like, you know, a very cool birthday gift for me as well, so it's, it's fine. <laughs> Happy... I, knew, I knew you were smiling a little extra when I, when I saw your face. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's cool, but it was my wife Deanna's birthday uh, a few days ago, so we were in Montreal celebrating. Did you do anything cool today? Yeah, I went to work. <laughs> so that's great uh no but I actually um i have a very cool team right now uh in my work so um you know they all wish me happy birthday we had a chance to like talk and chat a bit so it was very fun really cool any plans tonight it's, it's nighttime for you right yeah it's uh 7 30 p.m almost 8 uh so i'm probably gonna just uh grab a bite with some of my friends and and chill a bit. I mean, I have to work tomorrow as well. So, you know, I just can't go crazy today, even though I would really want to. Are you going to get some pierogies? Pierogies are actually, I'm, I'm actually craving a burger. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm thinking about like a big ass burger today. That's so. too Americanized <laughs> for this part. Yeah, I know. <laughs> to give people some context, we met, was it two months ago, six weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah. Like a month and a half, I think. Yeah. We met in Krakow when I came to shoot a story there. We did it in just like four hours, but it was it was a blast. We went all around the city center, went to the Jewish quarter, went to some of the cathedrals. And it was my third time to Krakow, but I got a really cool insight from you, um, you know, just going around and, you know, meeting some some Ukrainians, which we'll get into later. But I want to circle this conversation about Poland, um, your country, and also later we'll talk about Krakow. But Poland is a country that I, I really love because I spent a lot of time in Prague in 2012 studying abroad. I love Central or Eastern Europe, depending on what you call it. I'm going to call it Eastern Europe. I love Eastern Europe. The, the vibe, the feeling on the street is not the same as Amsterdam or Barcelona, but it might be the attitude of the people that's different. It might be the architecture that's different, but overall like it's just such a such a cool part of the world to visit as a tourist and i really enjoy poland so i want to i want to put it on the map in this conversation so why don't you start off by telling me like where in poland are you from and tell me about your ancestry like are they all poles or do you know if you have like a russian ancestry or have you ever done one of those tests go ahead so i come from actually like a very small town uh which is like i don't know 30,000 people living there uh but it's very close to Łódź. 
uh, which is uh, a city in the central part of Poland. You know, I grew up there in the small town, but I used to go to school to watch. So basically most of my life from the moment when I turned like 15 was happening in Łódź, not, not in the small town that I grew up in. But yeah, uh, when it comes to my ancestry, I believe it's not confirmed. I have not taken the test. Uh, I really regret not doing it, but I haven't done it yet. I'm planning to do it, definitely. But actually one of my uncles, uh, he's very into this kind of stuff. And he researched using, an, uh, using the old um, church books, which we still keep in most of the churches in Poland, like the church registry, basically. He found out that my great, great, great grandfather uh, was Dutch and he came to Poland from the Netherlands. So that's one part of my family. And the second one, I believe, comes from Lithuania. But again, this is not confirmed, you know, because <laughs> there's actually a village in Lithuania and the name of it is the same as my surname. Uh, so it might be a coincidence, you know, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I haven't had a chance to confirm it. And I just want to confirm that Wooch is actually spelt in English letters L-O-D-Z, right? Yeah. So there, there's a slash through the L. And what is it? Uh, is it L-O-D-Z? There's another thing through the O. Yeah, it's now going through it. It's like above it. Yeah. Uh, then D is spelled normally. And then there's another thing just like above the O, above the letter Z. It must be funny to try to explain that to non-Polish native speakers where it's like the sounds of the letters are different, but it's okay. It's crazy. Trust me. I mean, one time I had a friend of mine who's not uh, Polish, like read some of the most difficult names of Polish cities. And it was like hilarious. You know? like, <laughs> I don't think he got any rights, to be honest. Well, the two biggest of Warsaw and Krakow are pretty easy to, to pronounce. Krakow. Okay, so you're from Poland. You, your parents are Polish, grandparents are Polish, to your knowledge, and maybe you have Dutch ancestry or Lithuanian ancestry. So what was it like to grow up? So I guess we can't ignore history and we can't ignore politics in this in this part of the conversation. You were born in what year? 1999. Okay, 1999. So you were born eight years or so after communism fell in the Soviet Union. Actually, exactly 10 years after because it fell in 89. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. That's right. So I guess your generation is totally different than one generation ahead of you or older than you. So why don't you just start off by, by sharing what was the Poland that you saw growing up and how do you think it was different from how your parents saw it? Well, you know, again, I mean, it probably was different for me uh, since I was living in this very small town when I was very little. And it was different for someone who was living in Warsaw or in Krakow or in like any other major city in Poland. But, you know, even from my perspective, I mean, when I was little and when I was going to the shop with my parents, like every product was on the shelf, like everything was available to buy. It was not the case when my parents were my age back in the day, you know. We had this thing uh, during the communist era, which is called, in Polish it's called kartki, which is literally translates directly into like pieces of paper, like papers uh, for food. It meant that you basically were allowed to buy like a certain quantity of meat, sugar, flour, and any other type of product. And if you use this, there was no other way to buy anything else, you know. There were like huge lines in front of the shops. Sometimes people were like standing there for, I don't know, five to six hours. They had the cart with them. But then, you know, the shop assistant was like, I'm sorry, but we ran out of meat. We ran out of sugar. We ran, to, we ran out of milk. It was crazy, especially for people who were living in uh, bigger cities. Because if you were living in a village or in a smaller town, you probably had your own farm animals. You know, you had the axe, your own milk, eggs 
etc. So it was, I would say, a bit easier, you know, for for people like that. And your parents told you stories about what it was like to grow up in that in that time. I mean, it, look, it was tough. Again, it's uh, it definitely differs uh, regarding the background that you came from. So some families were more wealthy than others. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's normal. It still happens to this day. But yeah, for most families, my mom, for example, grew up in a village. Uh, in a countryside her family was never like really wealthy right let's put it this way they were mostly farmers <laughs> and factory workers um so yeah i mean she told me that you know my grandma would go to like romania mostly to like smuggle things like furs like you know golden bracelets like jewelry in general interesting and she would just yeah she would just go to romania to hungary to budapest mostly and she would just smuggle everything through the train, sell it there and come back with money. Yeah. And your your mom or your parents grew up speaking Russian as a second language? That is correct. Yes. And they still speak Russian? That's debatable. So uh, my mom uh, can still read it. So can my dad. But if you approach them with a native Russian speaker and ask them to have a conversation with this person, they would not be able to do that anymore. Only because of the fact that uh, they have not been using this language for a long time, you know? On the other hand, they can't speak English. I mean, they can understand quite a lot, but they wouldn't be able to have a conversation just like like we're having now. Which is crazy because you're just one generation below them and you speak English as good as I do. So clearly, like, I'm not going to speak on behalf of all, you know, um, 23-year-old Polish people, but I imagine that if you're 23, uh, you're 23, right? 24 or 23? No, no, I'm 23. 23. Wow. You said that with confidence. I'm 23. So <laughs> I don't want to speak on behalf of all 23 year old Polish people, but I think if I'm not wrong, if you live in a big city and you're 23 years old, you probably can speak English or you're taught English in university. Is correct? Yeah. I mean, look, we're being taught English like since kindergarten now, to be honest. So once you uh, turn like five or six, you go into kindergarten, you have English lessons, primary school, then you go to high school. English is like, you know, two, three times a week, depending on the type of the class that you want to enroll into. Yeah. And then at the uni, you have to pass this certificate, uh, which is like, you know, uh, I think upper intermediate level of English. You just need to have it in order to pass a degree. And it doesn't matter if you're studying law, if you're studying medicine, if you're studying like, you know, medical studies, law, anything. You just need to have the certificate that proves that you know English on, on a certain level. That's really cool, man. What, what did you study? I studied uh, international relations uh, at uh, in Warsaw, actually, at the University of Warsaw. And uh, then I moved to Krakow. And funnily enough, now I'm moving back to Warsaw. You are? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I'm moving back to Warsaw in October, so like in a week and a half. How would you compare and contrast Warsaw to Krakow? I've been to Krakow now four times because I went after I met you, and I've never been to Warsaw. So what are the differences? completely different like two completely different places Warsaw gets this like modern type of vibe you know skyscrapers in the uh, city center quite a lot of like green areas like parks and stuff just like in Krakow but they definitely miss the historical part only because of the fact that Warsaw during the second world war I mean I don't want to lie to you because I don't know the exact data but like 90 percent of it or even more was like completely burned down, completely destroyed. I mean, if you look up the pictures of Warsaw after the Warsaw Uprising in 1944, I mean, there was no building left there. Nothing. Zero. So everything that you see in Warsaw now is like a perfect mixture of 
communist era type of buildings and also like very modern, you know, skyscrapers, like uh, offices and stuff like that. Krakow is different. Krakow was mostly not destroyed during the World War II. So the buildings that you see are like, you know, 200, 300, sometimes 400, 500 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Krakow has this charm that you find in Prague where it's like cobblestone streets, horses walking through. All the buildings are just stunning with the facades on the outside and the balconies and the windows. And just like the Old Town Square and Krakow is phenomenal. It is mind-blowing. It's huge. I, I think you could fit like a half a million people in that old square and you could still have space to like walk around. It's that big. It's very cool. It's very cool. But you know, at the end of the day, it comes to a preference. I mean, depends on what you want from a city where you live. Sure. And you know. Sure. You seem to know quite a, a little bit about history and the war. I think the, thing, the difference between Europeans and Americans is like, we just know like basic facts about the war and it's cool. But like people in Europe, like even my Czech friends, like they can tell you like the dates and exactly what happened in, in because it's so close to you guys and it happened two, two generations ago. So I want to talk to you about World War II briefly. You know, I had family that was killed in Auschwitz. It's, 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 it's incredibly sad. It's obviously not your fault. I'm not pointing my 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 finger at you because it happened in Poland. I mean, it was the Nazis who, who um, organized everything, but is World War II like on your mind often? And like, do you, are you constantly reminded? Because Auschwitz is an hour from Krakow and it's pretty hard to not, I mean, walking around Krakow, there's like tours like, oh, go to Auschwitz. I mean, it, it's always like there. And there was a really huge uh, Jewish community in Krakow. I mean, Polish Jews were like, I think aside from Hungarian or both, maybe both of them, they were like the most Jews in any country in the world. So I don't know, like, is that a part of your identity? Are you reminded of it often? Do you feel, do you feel su super sad because of what happened? Like, give me your thoughts as a Polish person on World War II. I mean, look, we're definitely being reminded by it, not only like in school, uh, but mostly I would say because of the grandparents or great grandparents of some people, you know. I mean, my grandma passed away, unfortunately, but my grandpa is still alive. And, you know, he was a very young boy during the World War II. But he still remembers, like, you know, German soldiers coming to take their pigs, their cows, and taking ransom, basically, for no apparent reason, you know, killing people on the street for also no apparent reason. You know, my dad is also very into history because he works in a museum. So he's really into, like, getting to know all the facts about this Jewish heritage as well in all of the smaller towns in Poland and the bigger ones as well. So, yeah, we definitely want to remember about it, to be honest with you. I would say, though, that some of people in our country, and I'm not going to try to get too political, but some of the fractions, uh, and especially our current government, they are pushing some things a little bit too hard, meaning that they want to exploit too many things from the things that already happened so long ago. You know, now they're talking about getting the money back from Germany for everything that they did to us, etc. And for me, personally, it is a little bit crazy because you have those people on one hand and then on the other hand you get like you know like literal people who went through this hell like literal hell that was the world war ii like veterans from the warsaw uprising and they're like don't do it you know leave it in the past it happened it was bad but those germans are not the ones who were killing us you know like sure this this long time ago so it's definitely difficult as you mentioned like the concentration camps the main ones so the Auschwitz is like an hour away from Krakow I actually went there only once and it wasn't that long ago I think it was like a two years ago or like a year ago 
I mean, the experience itself, if I can call it that, was mind-blowing, but in a very negative way, you know? I mean, I felt traumatized. I felt, like, very down. I was like, why did that even happen in the first place? Like, you know, you see all of those pictures of those people. You can actually walk into the gas chamber where they were, like, killed, yeah, in, like, a split of a second. And you think to yourself, like, why has all of that happened? Yeah. You know, you're like, doesn't make sense. Seriously, doesn't make sense. It's a really tough. I went first time in 2012. Uh, and then I went again in 2019 with my sister. And it's just, it's the most evil place in the world. And it's just like, it ruins the whole day. It ruins the whole week. It ruins the whole month. I mean, you're just like down. And it's just, it's really sad. You know, history, you know, should never be forgotten, especially that, that part of history. And I do think it's important that people can pay their homage and at least go and see what happened and see how how we cannot have that happen again. But this, this, this can be a whole nother chat uh, about that. And, and thank you for bringing it up and sharing what the, how you feel connected or disconnected as someone who is Polish. Um, speaking of Poland, we're going to switch gears into happier things. I want to celebrate Polish culture and Polish identity and Polish food. Like you can, you can take this question however you want, but what does it mean to you to be Polish? And when you travel to other countries and you represent Poland, like... What happiness comes out of that? Like, how does it make you feel? When I travel somewhere abroad and I tell like people that I talk to that I'm from Poland, the biggest thing that gives me happiness is the fact that they know it's not in Russia. <laughs> this is the first thing. Because trust me, it happens. It happens constantly, you know? So it's, it's always great when people know where, where Poland is, that, you know, we are an independent country, that we are a European country, that we are in European Union, that we're kind of, prosperous let's put it this way i love to hear uh stories from people who actually had the chance to visit poland mm -hmm. because i can relate to that you know when someone tells me oh i've been to krakow i'm like oh which place have you visited you know maybe i've been there as well maybe you can share some stories about it so it's always it's always really like a really cool experience to to hear such stories i'm not gonna lie i do like when they compliment the food i do like polish food even though i don't eat meat which you know, majority of our diet relies heavily on meat. Uh, you can still find some very good uh, dishes that you can eat. Let's talk about some of the most famous Polish foods. So pierogies are are these really good dumplings, which have a variety of whether it's cottage cheese or minced meat or onions or all the above. Everything. Like even strawberries. We put strawberries inside them. So pierogies is one thing. Um, I'll share one other Polish food that I tried with you, and then you can talk about more. There's a street food called zapikanka, which is like a pizza. It's in the shape of like the shape of a baguette. It's like a, a long, almost circular ends. And then it just, it's like a open face pizza. They put cheese on it and put onions and all this stuff. And it's like thick bread. I don't know. It's really, really tasty. What other Polish foods do you are, are famous and that you like? So I used to eat meat. Uh, like six years ago, I used to uh, eat meat normally on a daily basis, actually. Uh, and back then, one of my favorite dishes was hunter's stew, which is basically like cooked cabbage with different types of meat. So like pork, uh, sometimes beef, sausage, mushrooms. Mushrooms are very big here as well. You know, we really like to like go mushroom picking, for example, during autumn. It's a really big thing here. And we tend to add them to like the majority of dishes, to be honest with you. So it's it's also a big thing. Uh, I mean, zapikanka, obviously, it's like the most polished type of comfort food that you can ever imagine. You know, uh, when we were shooting the video in, in Krakow, I told you that the place that we went to is actually very popular because there are a lot of bars surrounding it. 
and you know at certain time like 11 midnight 11 p.m midnight like hundreds of people just want to grab a bite and the the go-to thing is, is usually the zapekanka so it's also great what about beer beer oh we like beer yeah <laughs> so see there is this stereotype that or maybe it's true i don't know i'm not that big of a drinker to be honest so i'm not sure if it's true but usually when you ask people about poland one of the first top three things that come into their mind is vodka which is true but i wouldn't say that's like a go-to drink it's not like we're you know getting hammered drinking shots of vodka every day you know like the go-to drink would definitely be a beer for sure and during like you know, parties like weddings and stuff, we do go hard on vodka for sure. That's that's another thing. But I think it's because Belvedere is Polish, right? Yeah, it is. And yeah. Belvedere is pretty popular in the US. And because people still consider Poland as Russia or connected to Russia, we know Russians are big vodka drinkers. So we just assume that that Pol- Polish people are too. But no, you're right. There's a really big beer scene there. A lot of craft beer. What's the name of that famous Polish beer? I can't pronounce it. Oh, Żubr. That one. There's a couple. I will tell you a quick funny story. So my friend uh, comes from Poland. She lives now in Amsterdam. She studies there. Uh, she has just finished uh, finished sorry her master's degree. And uh, basically the first week uh, when she arrived to Amsterdam, a couple of people, like foreigners, approached her. Foreigners, I mean non-Dutch people, basically. And uh, they were like, so where are you from? And she was like, oh, I'm from Poland. And the initial reaction, like literally the first question was like, you're from Poland? How come your English is so good? (laughs) And she was like, well, you know, we have it in school, you know? And then the second question, I'm not kidding, was, but you speak Russian in Poland, right? I mean, you're a part of Russia, yeah? And she was like, no, we're not, you know? And then the third, which is my personal favorite one, is, oh, you have this uh, vodka, uh, with a picture of, uh, how do you spell it? Bison? Bison, B-I-S-O-N. Yeah, bison. So you have this vodka with a bison pink on the grass. And she was like, what? Like, you know, obviously none of them were true, yeah? But it was so interesting to, like, hear what other people think of the country because they've never visited it before, so. Poland is fascinating because it is so big. I'm looking at a map on my wall. Germany and France are probably a little bigger and Spain. I don't know exactly, but Poland is, like, massive people don't really know what's going on there except for the big city so maybe why don't you share some of your favorite parts of poland or some even if you haven't been like which places would you recommend people to visit because they're whether it's good hiking cool cultural things unesco sites someone's going to poland for 10 days and they say casper make me an itinerary what are you telling them to do definitely seaside is going to come in the first place i love sea i love you know, being close to the nature. So that would definitely go on top of my list. Where? Gdansk? Tri-City. So it's Gdansk, Gdynia, and Sopot. Like all three of them have something different to offer. Gdansk, don't kill me, people in the comments, but I believe that it used to be a German city. And then it was transferred to like an independent city inside of Poland. And then it was a Polish city at the end. But basically Gdansk, you know, amazing architecture, very very cool things that you can see in the strict city center for sure uh amazing old town as well i'm not sure if you had the chance to to go there but no i really wanted to go to hell which is like a beach town resort place in poland and i wanted to go because it's called hell and that was going to be like my mission of going like what's happening in hell but i never made it out there (laughs) no but it's cool i mean you know if you have time you should still go there anyway because um it's 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 nice as well but 
yeah, so Gdańsk is like mostly known for the architecture, the old buildings, and you know, cool things that you can do in the city center, the amazing old town. The second like city is Gdynia, which is like very close to the first one, Gdańsk. Amazing beaches, like literally one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my Fantastic. life. Uh, we get those like cliffs. They're like super cool. You can climb up on there and, you know, just get the entire view of the entire sea and the beach. It's it's amazing, seriously. And, you know, the, the last one is uh, Sopot, quite similar to the second one. So I'm not going to talk a lot about it. So that's seaside. Literally very, very little above, below, sorry, that uh, you can find the lake region. Poland, which is amazing. Unless you don't like mosquitoes, then don't go there because <laughs> I mean it's it's a nightmare. But if you don't mind them or if you buy a spray, then it's fine. It's amazing. I mean, we have like quite a lot of big uh lakes in terms of the size. Uh they're very, very cool, very beautiful. I mean, you can imagine like renting a boat and spending, you know, the sunset or the sunrise on the boat, just chilling and <laughs> doing nothing else. It's very cool. Temple part of Poland is like the big cities. So Warsaw, Łódź, uh, Poznań, Wrocław, etc. Definitely worth visiting for sure. But we already talked about it. And the southern part, mountains, which is, I mean, also amazing. Seriously, we share the border with Czech Republic and with Slovakia uh, in the south. It's amazing. I mean, seriously, we have this uh, place called Dolina Pięciostawów which is basically, it loosely translates into the Valley of Five Ponds. It's amazing. It's like literally five ponds uh, located next to each other directly. And you can get the view of them. And in the background, you get like the whole view of the, the summits and the mountains. It's super cool, especially during winter time. I know people that go to Poland just for the mountains and like skiing. And it's it gets real nice up there in the winter, which is my friend Wim Hof. He's like a cold... You know who Wim Hof is? Oh, yeah. the Yeah, the ice bath guy. He go, he trains people in Poland like to run in the mountains like naked or with underwear on. I don't know. So, Casper, I want to bridge a little bit into current events, specifically Ukraine. When we were there, you know, I noticed a huge influx of Ukrainian people walking around, uh, a lot of support for Ukraine, not only in Poland, but I mean, I was in Lisbon, too. And there's Ukraine. I mean, everywhere, everywhere uh, is very pro-Ukraine as as it should be and especially in Czech Republic and in Krakow. So to my knowledge, I don't know if these stats are updated, but there's been around 11 million people that have left Ukraine and about half of them are currently living in Poland because Ukraine and Poland share the biggest border. And I think um, Poland was receptive to having Ukrainians come in. This all happened within the last eight months. Tell me the story from your point of view, living pre-war in Krakow, War happens, all these Ukrainians come in. What's the general feeling been on the streets with so many Ukrainians coming in? I know this gets really political. I I, I already know the basic stuff where you know jobs are being um, taken and housing situations a mess. But from your experience living in Krakow, what's it been like with the Ukraine war? To be honest with you, now it's better, definitely. But at the very beginning of the war, like when it broke out, it was I mean it was a mess. I'm not gonna lie to you seriously because. I don't mean it in a negative way. I mean, it was a mess for them, not for us. That's not what I mean. Yeah. But basically, I remember uh, two weeks after the war uh, started, when Russia attacked Ukraine, two weeks after that, I was coming back home to uh, Łódź, but I was actually going through Warsaw because it was like a very weird 
connection for some reason. And I was in the train. I had bought my ticket like two weeks prior, I think, like a week prior. Uh, so, you know, I had a seat assigned to me, etc. So I'm walking into the cart and I see that my seat is taken and I kindly, you know, approach the people and I'm like, hello, this is my seat. Uh, it turned out that they were from Ukraine. And then literally a minute after that, like the influx of people comes running into the cart, you know, because Polish government introduced this law that's uh, for Ukrainian people, you don't need to buy a ticket ticket for the train. Okay. So it's for free, basically, if you want to travel anywhere inside of Poland. And, you know, I ended up like standing up uh, for, for an entire trip because these people entered their own cart. And I mean, I don't even know how to describe it briefly to you, to be honest, but that was the first moment when I saw what's actually happening there, even though I wasn't there. I just saw what's happening there by seeing the people that have just been there, that have just escaped, you know, crazy images of like, you know, people having nothing but their backpack with them and a bag with food. And that's it. No suitcases, no luggage, nothing, zero, you know, people who literally didn't have a chance to like even, you know, change their clothes or wash themselves in like a couple of days at least. People crying everywhere. You know, I even saw this um, teenage girl who was um, sat next to me. I was standing next to her, basically. She called someone. I don't know Ukrainian. I know people say it's kind of similar to Polish. It's not. I mean, you can get a little bit of context, but it's not like you understand every word that they say, you know? So... I don't know what exactly she said, but she basically called someone. She was crying for the entire time. And then she hung up and she said something in lines of, he's alive, he made it, we don't have to worry again, you know? And that was, I think, the moment that it hit me. And I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I had like three or four times during the call, uh, during the trip, sorry, where I was like about to cry because, you know, all of the people around you and previously you hear it on the news you know you read the articles you watch the videos you see people suffering it hits you definitely for sure but when you see it with your own eyes it's a completely different story it's a completely different scenario i mean the amount of like emotions like that that come with it it's like i mean i cannot really describe it to you right now you know i was like devastated that by everything that i saw and then I arrived to Warsaw because I had to change my train there. I've never seen anything like that. Like I exit the train, I go into the central station, train station in Warsaw. People were sleeping like everywhere on the floor, everywhere, you know? It wasn't like literally the entire station was like filled with people that had nowhere to go. Wow. And they just had to sleep on the floor of the train station. And at that moment I was like, whoa, this is unbelievable. This is crazy. You know, I remember that I called my mom, you know, um, and I was like, uh, my mom and my dad, actually, and I was like, guys, I mean, this is crazy. And I FaceTimed them, you know, and I showed them everything that's happening. And I just remember that my mom started to cry. Yeah, that's it. She was like, whoa, this is a bit too heavy for me right now. You know, she was like very devastated by it. That's, yeah, it was it was crazy. That's crazy what you saw with your own eyes, man. I can't. I. I can't even imagine like living and breathing in the same space as as Ukrainians, like in the moments that they left home without any luggage. I mean, they didn't even have toothbrush, no food, no clothes. They just had to leave. Crazy, man. It's crazy that you I was going to say you live through a war. You're not like living through combat war, but you're living through seeing the repercussions of it, which is pretty wild. I would say most of the Ukrainians have either found a home or they went back home or 
they live in apartments, they have jobs, or is it still kind of chaotic? I mean, it's still kind of chaotic when it comes to finding an apartment in Poland, uh, even if you are from here. You know, there's a ton of like apartment owners that I had a chance to talk to that told me stories like someone from Belarus called me or someone from Ukraine called me and they were like, we're going to pay in advance for the next six months of rent, but my family is not going to be here for the next three months. So they're going to arrive in January, for example, you know? So yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely better. So when you walk into a train station in Krakow or in Warsaw now, you won't be able to see like the masses of people gathered around in one place. Um, but you know, it's it's still happening, you know, the war is not over. I mean, they're still suffering from everything that they're going through. And you can still see the the effects of that here, definitely. Not as much as before, for sure. I mean, it's a different scenario right now. But yeah, it's still visible, definitely. When I went back to Krakow on my second trip, I, I witnessed a daily gathering of Ukrainian refugees in the middle of the Old Town Square. I don't know if you've seen it or noticed it, but there was a lady singing some really great Ukrainian songs and they were chanting and they were holding up the signs. And there was maybe like 50 Ukrainians there, but apparently they've been doing it every day for the last 290 days or however many. It seems like Polish people, I mean, they're human. So Polish people obviously feel for them. I mean, they, they're kicked out of their home. I, I guess this, this is a political question, but it's hard. In general, like my content, I try to stay away from politics, but like it's impossible when this is happening. So how would you explain the general feel of the Polish people that there's so many Ukrainians there? I imagine it's a split between the younger generation and the older generation, but just give me your thoughts. I mean, look, I'm not going to sugarcoat it because uh, there are some people that don't like what's going on right now here. Sure. Uh, and, you know, there are some things that are being said, for example, like they're here to steal our jobs. They're here to do this and that. If we were at war, they wouldn't have helped us, etc. But mostly, which, to be honest with you, was surprising to me as well, especially considering how Poland and, you know, our government reacted to previous uh, immigration crises in Europe, for example, the one from 2015, where we basically didn't take anyone in. It was very positive and kind of mind-blowing in a very positive way. You know, I was like shocked. Uh, I was surprised. I was very happy to see the reaction that the people from Ukraine were receiving from Polish people. Most of them were very welcoming. You know, uh, some of us even took them into our own homes, like, you know, without the necessity of them paying us for mm -hmm. it. So it was very good. You know, we just took them for like a couple of weeks or months until they found a job and they were able to support themselves financially. So it was very cool. So all in all, I was very surprised, but in a positive way, seriously. So that's great. Yeah, because that's that's what it's all about. You know, we uh, we have quite a similar culture. Uh, we come from the same region of the world. So it was very cool to see that we started to behave like brothers. Yeah, you know? like, I think it's special. I mean, Let's say it happened to you and you had to leave your home and you went to Ukraine. Hopefully somebody would look after you. No, definitely. For sure. I mean, you know, you can also see the, the gratitude from the Ukrainian side. I mean, I think that even their government or their official Instagram account of Ukraine released like a video of thanking Polish people that they were standing side by side with them, you know, sending weapons and like welcoming them, giving them comfort and providing them with food, with shelter, with housing. It was very cool to see, seriously. 
That is really special, man. And I'm happy to hear that. Is there anything else that you want to say about Poland? Any any message that you want to say to, to people listening to this about anything in life? Doesn't just words of wisdom. Well, in general, in, uh, in the light of what's been happening lately here, I mean, in Ukraine, but partially here as well, be kind to one another, seriously, because it's, I mean, it's very important. And I think that we definitely were able to see, we as Polish people were able to see how much some people are going through without experiencing it ourselves. You know, we have a long history of, you know, being in war all the time. I mean, if you look at the history of Poland, it's not only Second World War, the first one. We were not even in the map of, on the map of Europe for like, you know, hundreds of years. But I think that the, the recent events in Ukraine just helped us realize that if you're like kind to one another, then you can overcome everything that either you or the other person is going through. You know, it's, it's very important, especially in the lights of recent events, to just remember about that and remember that we're all equal, we're all humans, and, you know, we're here to support each other because that's, that's what really counts, you know. Really nice message. Thank you, man, for your time on your birthday. Happy birthday. Go get some pierogies and uh, we'll be in touch and stay tuned for the Krakow video coming out. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Casper. See you, man. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast episode. If you feel inspired by this conversation, please share it with somebody who would enjoy listening. And if you're here for the first time, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to leave a review. Every week, I'm going to be looking through them and highlighting my favorite one. And with that all being said, I will see you guys next week. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.